Welcome to Junior to Senior, the podcast for ambitious devs who want to take their career to the next level. I'm your host, David Gutman. Today, I'm joined by Spencer Carney. Spencer, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for being here. I mean, thanks so, for having me. Yeah, of course. So uh, I'm actually really excited to have Spencer here. Uh, Spencer and I work together, so I think uh, it'll be really fun to go over a lot of the stuff that we talk about regularly. So, but there's a bunch of people listening who don't know much about you. So Spencer, for people who are just meeting you for the first time, you want to share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, um, I'm an engineering manager. Uh, started off a long, long time ago doing HTML emails uh, for a very non-technical company that had a web presence and they need someone to put together their emails. And that was me. Um, and then I went for, you know, to a... Uh, software engineer to a senior software engineer, uh, eventually became a tech lead, then an engineering manager. Um, and so right now I just do what I can to help people be better at, uh, you know, building things on the web. Awesome. So yeah, looking back at your career, um, you know, a lot of people don't really make that leap or necessarily get promoted uh, that way. What was this something that you was this like an arc that you were always headed for or was this a little bit more accidental? Uh, definitely accidental. Um, I was the engineer that was kind of always causing problems. Um, <laughs> you know, I was I was a bit of that. Well, as soon as for a while, I just was a, a front end guy doing, you know, whatever work and working sometimes as a lone cowboy, sometimes on a team and. Um, but I, I just had a tendency to kind of speak my mind sometimes to my own detriment. And um, eventually people started to notice that, well, this guy here is has some you know interesting things to say and ultimately wants the company to be better and wants the engineers to do better. And so let's kind of try and soft some of those rough edges and um, was guided into it. But you know, I usually found you have to kind of, you become like a, a a de facto um you know tech lead before I officially become that you, you know and that just happened because i saw problems that i and i was the one who wanted to solve them no one else did and so i started to solve the you know the problems of we need to start linting our code a code is awful and we need some kind of standard and we should start doing tests and nobody asked for those things and i took those on and by taking those on i kind of found myself in a leadership role um, unofficially and then right around the time I was like, I should be officially the leader here. And then, you know, I, that's how I became like a tech lead, which was my first real mm -hmm. leadership position. Yeah, I think that's I think there's definitely a number of people out there and in, in, in management that will wind up giving someone a promotion after they're already doing the job. Do you feel like that's that's kind of what happened to you? Absolutely. Um, just as the team I was on grew, it was evident that they, the people who were in charge, um, just had less and less time to do the things that some of us were already doing. Um, and when my boss proposed it to me as like a, an engineering manager at the time, um, uh, it, 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 you know, I'd looked back at my life and said, you know, I, I've always been a person who was thrown in a position to kind of figure things out. I was in a band for years 
and no one else wanted to make sure the van had the oil changed or that the rental studio, rehearsal studio we were at had the rent paid on time, um, except me. And so mm-hmm. naturally in a, you know, on the job, I just kind of gravitated towards that, um, for better, or for worse. Uh, cause sometimes, sometimes I, I, I was in those leadership positions and I wasn't really ready for it. Um, mm-hmm. and that can be the downside too when it's kind of like an unofficial uh, mm-hmm. responsibility you take on is that you're the person who's you know yelling or talking very loudly about this thing that needs to be fixed um, and trying to fix it and yet you haven't kind of figured out how to navigate what that takes because you're just used to being an individual contributor and you want other individual contributors to be to do good as well but you haven't figured that out yet mm-hmm. yeah so do you I mean, I guess it's one of those things where it's like, do you think that this is this is sort of like an innate personality trait uh, that that you have or like, do you think that this is this is a path that any engineer could take or should ca- take? Or is it just something that's like you either have it or you don't? I think anybody can do it. Um, I've seen, you know, a big motivator for me was I don't want to be um I don't want to be as bad as some of the bosses I've unfortunately worked under. And it's it, it that not, that's not going to be everybody's motivation, but I had worked with some people who found themselves in leadership positions mostly because they were the smartest person in the room. And when you're dealing with a technical leadership job, uh, some people or some companies tend to think like, well, you're the, you're the smartest engineer here. And uh, so we'll just put you in charge, um, and because you you have to have you know, that technical acumen, but it, that does that necessarily doesn't make you uh, the best person to help other people. And I found yeah. myself in just enough times walking down the hallway past a boss and just being like, "Why can't we just say hi to each other? Why are you weird?" Um, and <laughs> that you know that was always in the back of my mind when I kind of found myself in those positions, and I'd say, "Well, okay, you're." people are kind of starting to listen to what you're saying. Uh, you know, it's, it's your turn to not be the, uh, you know, the, the brilliant a-hole. You, you, you know, like people um, are starting to look up to you. And so, uh, you know, I guess, so, so it's, it's, time to, it's time to step up a little bit. Whether that's an innate thing inside of me, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I was mm-hmm. always a bit of a rebellious kid. Uh, so like to find myself in a leadership position nowadays, um, you know, I look back and it's kind of weird, but you know, I'm 41 years old. I've clearly matured a little bit. <laughs> yeah, are you the are you the man now? Uh, no, not, uh, you know, I am a man. I don't know if I'm the man. <laughs> uh, nice, yeah. I mean, to kind of touch on what you were you were just saying, like a lot of a lot of strengths for an individual contributor or a particular software engineer. A lot of those things that are considered strengths uh, don't don't necessarily help when trying to lead a team. Um, and in some cases they can, they can kind of hurt. I think, I think one of the most important things when leading a team is, is just recognizing that you, you really don't have to be the one to solve the problem. You, you just, you just want to make sure that, that, that there is enough space and that everything is working together smoothly enough that a problem can be can be de- developed that that has you know the the right 
the right trade-offs. Um, is this something, you know, is it, you know, I, obviously I'm, I'm aware of a lot of the, 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 the people and the teams that, that you're managing, but like, how do you, how do you think about getting things organized from a, from a team level? Like, how do you make space for problems to get solved uh, by people other than you? Well, first you have to kind of accept the fact that you can't solve everything. Um, that was a real hard thing for me to do uh, the first year or so. And, you know, to this day, every now and then um, I stop and say, you know, I, c- I could just kind of fix this versus <laughs> trying to go through the hoops it takes to get. Yeah. And, and sometimes I do. I just fix it. I just said, mm-hmm. you know what? The CMS, the data is a little off. I'm going to go in there and you know drag these things around and boom, we're done. Um, mm-hmm. But it took some time to acclimate to that, as well as some of, you know, some one on ones, my manager, the first manager I had when I was becoming an engineering manager to say, one, not only is it OK that you uh, can't solve everything, um, you have to be OK with that. It's also OK if you have others that are either working underneath you or on other teams who couldn't solve it as well as you could. Um, and you know, that's not to be like, I'm this great, amazing programmer, but you know, it just comes down to, I had some experience with the problem that was being faced. Like, why don't we just do this? It could be done in, you know, hours versus days. And, you know, the feedback to me was, we'll take a step back and let that person do it because at some point it took you, you know, days and Mm -hmm. this person has to go through those days. So that way they can become the engineer that can then solve it in hours, you know, months or years from now. Right. Yeah, there's there's a big difference between getting getting the problem solved right now or investing in the the team, the company, so that problems can be solved faster in the future. And I think, yeah, I think that that's that's important. But I mean, yeah, sometimes, like you say, you do jump in and fix it because you just need the problem solved right now. There was a memory leak we had on one of our sites back in March real bad. And I could have coached somebody through it. And I just said, you know, I'm gonna put a couple hours in and figure out where this awful thing is. Because um, I just, I'm the person who could solve this problem for the organization needs this problem solved. The organization, you know, that's more important than who solves it. And so I remember the time I rolled my sleeves up and, you know, some third party tool we use. And um, it was kind of nice to sit there and go in and be like, Ah, I, I solved this problem, and um, in hindsight, it would be great to pull someone aside and kind of work them through the Chrome Dev tools and doing profiling. And you know, uh, here's this Google, this Google, uh, you know, article. Read all of these, you know, things I've read, you know, numerous times before. Or I could just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you have to every now and then. I have to stop myself and say, yes, you could do this faster, and it is kind of burning a hole in our pocket, but. Um, you also, you know, you can also have someone else not only learn that skill, but also take the win, you know, have, you know, Mm -hmm. be able to, to take, uh, developer bill or, you know, bill or Betty and say, look, bill or Betty did it. And yes, behind the scenes, you helped them, you enabled them, you, you know, it did a lot of handholding, but, uh, if I, whatever I could do to empower uh, people on my team to, you know, have those successes and if i have to handhold them you know uh i will do that but you always you know i want the team to be successful i don't want 
Spencer to be successful. Right. And what's interesting about that, I think there's there's not a whole lot that stops um, mid-level or senior engineers from from doing that just, you know, right now. Right. I think I think that's that's a thing that that mid-level and senior engineers can do before they're a, a tech lead if they choose. And that's the, the direction that they want to go. Absolutely. I, again, you know, nobody was like, we need to start linting the front end code, you know, um, the JavaScript, it's the, there's the commas, the commas, the quotes and the single quotes and all that, you know, and the line spacing, like nobody thought those were, those are problems are worth solving. Um, they're important because ultimately by tackling those things and, and championing those and doing whatever I could to make awareness, whether it was writing, you know, a technical docs that explain why we're using this linting tool and why we have these rules and or presenting to my team and saying, here's this cool new thing we have and here's why we have it. Um, you know, those, those, nobody was chomping to, chomping at the bit to solve those problems. And so I did. And by doing that, you know, it was, it was being proactive and doing the problem that nobody wanted to solve. And, you know, that's what helped me to get noticed because uh, people could see that I, I, I cared about what we were doing. I cared about not only the product, I cared about the code and I cared about helping other people to uh, be better at it as well as to, you know, write better code. Um, and again, nobody asked me. I just did it, and I think a lot of developers could, mm-hmm. you know, don't be afraid to find that crazy, you know, that crazy problem that yes, we all deal with, but no one really has time and prioritize it. Do what you can, you know, and that's even like asking. Um, you can, if if you're worried about if that's the right thing you should be working on, you can ask. But a lot of times, you know, a lot of times these problems just take a few hours, and if you can kind of carve out those few hours while also working on the main. Uh, the main priorities you have, you'll usually get a thumbs up from everybody. You know, like your boss will be like, great, thank you very much. We needed that. We just, you know, I have a hundred things going on. And so it's hard for me to prioritize this thing that's really important to you. Um, mm-hmm. So you you went ahead and did it. And that shows a person like me that you have initiative. Yeah. And that's all you want. Yeah, because you've, you've got a lot of engineers that report to you right now. And I know a lot of them um, often ask you, you know, what can I do to demonstrate leadership? What can I do to become more senior? What can I do to get to the next level? I mean, does this does this play into that? Absolutely. Um, you know, I always turn around and say, well, what are you doing? You know, you want to have more responsibility or you, you, know, you, you want to make this change. You want us to do things differently. You want to use tool X instead of, or instead of tool Y. Well, let's let's, what are you doing to do that? You know, um, are you talking to other engineers? Are you trying to build consensus? Um, are you, you know, did you pull up a little branch and start, you know, uh, coming up with a proof of concept of it? Uh, I worked at a place, super talented team. I came in there, had all sorts of imposter syndrome. Um, and I was a person introduced ES6 back, you mm-hmm. know, however many years ago when it was like six to five before it was Babel. And, uh, nobody asked for that. Everybody wanted it. Everyone felt too busy. I, I put in my own time on it because I was very much interested in um, learning all this cool, like what's this spread operator? What's let and cons? And what are, you know, a class mm-hmm. component or a class? What are all these really cool things? Um, and so I put that time in and, you know, that team started using ESX and it was great. We loved it and everyone was super stoked. 
And, um, you know, it, 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 I had an itch. I knew the team, the rest, we all had the itch and I just was the person who was going to scratch it. And I didn't have to ask for that. Um, you know, and it's also important knowing some itches you probably should ask about, mm-hmm. but if it's, if it's comes down to how do we, if it comes down to, we want to start using this kind of newer feature of this framework we're using and I'm not seeing other people use it. Okay. I mean, start using it. Nobody said you couldn't use hooks. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody's using class components because I don't know, they all love class components and no one's really showed <laughs> them why hooks are better. Like go for it. Um, and I think a lot of times people, when they don't see something happening, you know, they, they can, they may think that um, there's a reason for that. And sometimes the reason just comes down to uh, motivation, initiative, priority. Um, and all it takes is one engineer to kind of break through from all that and step up and take, I wouldn't even say take a chance because it's usually not like what you want is not like a really dangerous thing. Um, unless you're talking about like, we need to start using TypeScript. TypeScript, TypeScript is great. However, <laughs> you know, that's a bigger conversation. Um, and so it's also important not only to, Know, show initiative, but to know when and understand the scope of the things that you're working on. And so that involves kind of weighing the pros and cons and figuring out what, you know, what benefit this could bring. Um, and a lot of the times it's, you know, it's something really simple. Like I want to use this Babel plugin, go for it. Yeah. Where is that line? Like, like, you know, we just, you were just talking about, I think using React hooks um, instead of you know, I guess the class declaration or something like that. At what point is it something that you can just start using? And at what point is it something that maybe you don't want to because you want the code base to be a little bit more standardized and less, um, you know, just more conventional? And then I guess at what point is it something where you brought up TypeScript, and I'm assuming the reason why you did that is that at what point is this a decision that is going to dramatically affect other developers? Like, how should an engineer think about what they can do on their own versus what they need to build consensus around? Or, like, what's the thing that they need to just ask their manager to do? Like, what's the framework for thinking about that? I, I think it starts with time. How long does it take to... Um... One, how much time does it take for you to uh, implement it? And how much time does it save? You know, something that saves the engineers uh, time is, I think, is, is great. And what process does it introduce? Um, you know, hooks, React hooks, they're great. Uh, there's a different paradigm that comes with it. And, you know, the disadvantage of introducing something like that to a team that's used to kind of the traditional class based component approach is people have to slow down and kind of figure those things out. However, um, you know, you're, you, you know, on this, this team specifically, they're using React and, you know, as, as the community is kind of turning towards this hooks based approach, uh, I don't see any reason why we can't experiment, you know, and if you decide to take a you know, one of those nasty 2000 line uh, components that anybody looks at causes a bug and turn that into a hook space thing. Well, then you're, you're probably choosing the wrong thing. However, if you have, you know, it's a small component that renders some UI conditionally with like a button, um, 50 lines, like 
go for it. Turn it into a nice hook thing and show everybody, you know, not it's, you can't just stop at doing the work. You also have to advocate for it. You have to educate, you have to show other people, Hey, we have this thing. Um, I think it'd be great to use it. And here's why we should or shouldn't um, do things this way. And as well as accepting that not everybody may get on board and, you know, these are not changes that we're going to necessarily mandate. You don't want to put people in a place where they are now stuck um, with a decision that ultimately costs the company time um, Mm -hmm. because you saw brand new shiny thing, you (laughs) want to start using it. And now here we are months later and brand new shiny thing is causing, is causing problems for whatever reason. Um, so, you know, you have to, you know, in terms of like what the framework is, I don't know, you know, for me, it was always a bit of a, a gut thing mm-hmm. by looking at the community, seeing the way things were going coupled with what I wanted to do. And ultimately, you know, if I was on a team, you know, say 2015 ish, if I, when I was looking at teams to join, um, or thinking about opportunities to take, it was ones that were doing react stuff. Another developer was looking at Vue at the time. Other developers were looking at whatever version Angular was on or Ember. And so um, it's also possible you have these things. It seems like not a big deal to want to use hooks or whatever, and the team's against it. And maybe that's not the right team for you. Mm-hmm. You know, There are teams that will stagnate unintentionally. And as you try to come in and innovate, um, they don't want to. Um, Sometimes it's not that they don't want to, sometimes they can't. I remember an engineer came in and said, we, you guys uh, use Gulp. Why don't we use NPM scripts? We should use NPM scripts. Can we use M- NPM scripts? And I said, you know, we are like on like a 12-month deadline, this huge project that's really 18 months. We're going to miss it. We got this crazy MVP. There's so many things going on. I would love to try this approach out. But right now, I need you to really help us start to delivering on this long list of features we have to implement and understand that like I very much support your need to try new things, but you know, coming in and saying, this is the way I used to do it at another place, which is like what happened <laughs> in this conversation is not a good enough reason, you know? Oh man. Yeah. That's uh, yeah, that's, that's the, that, that's a common thing I think we talk about, but yeah, that right there, I think is an example of, I think you might have been open to it. I mean, I guess it depends on what you knew about it, but I think you might have been open to it if it was framed as, hey, we've got this 12-month deadline. I see things are you know, going a little slowly because we keep running into issues with the, like, the gulp uh, scripts, and this is constantly causing problems and slowing things down, and I, I'm pretty sure... You know, I can have a prototype ready real quick where we've switched everything over to NPM scripts. I'll be able to show, you know, I'll be able to write up this little, you know, helpful tutorial, which will make sure that our team switches over really quick. It won't be that painful. And then we're going to get all of this time back and it'll be it'll be worth the investment. I think you probably would have been open to it, but I doubt I doubt that was really what this engineer was saying. I, I'm sure it was a little bit more of, a, you know, developer comfort or just you know wasn't really pitched with the right advantages absolutely and that same developer like a year and a half later um came in talking about uh like yarn and packages and 
the needs of you know their team versus the other teams and wanting to, to wanting to use newer versions of a framework um, and how the rest of the application was kind of stuck using the older stuff didn't have time to do the upgrade and they were they're the project they were on was kind of you know blue sky and so they wanted to be able to take advantage but not be hampered by package json you know dependencies and, and mm-hmm. you know and like and laid out a case and very much was like yeah absolutely um let's do that because um that is going to help this team be productive and the rest of this company also wants to be doing using the new tools that you're using and we will then turn to you and whenever we that project presents itself for you to give us guidance you know it wasn't just everybody's using react 17 or 16 or whatever and i want to too (laughs) it was we have this thing and here we have these newer framework and we have a problem here's the solution here's why we should solve it here's how we're going to solve it you know, um, and that was great because that, you know, the engineer who, who just walked in the door was like, everything's weird here. I'm not used to it. Let's change it all. Um, had understood that like there's trade-offs to everything. And now they had some time to do something new and they understood what it took to get that buy-in and, Mm -hmm. uh, not everybody, you know, it takes people time to realize that. So that's what I always try to instill and the, the engineers I work with is there is a, it's the balance between do it right and do it right now. And a lot of times it's right now where we're focusing on delivering some new feature that we need. And every now and then we kind of find ourselves with like the time to do it right. And then that's mm-hmm. when, okay, great. We are going to go into this with a solid plan. So we don't waste any of that time because it's so precious. Right. Yeah. In uh, in machine learning and AI, there was you know the, this trade off between explore versus exploit, and so when you're trying to optimize, um, you 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 have finite resources and how much time you're willing to spend to 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 figure out what the optimum solution is, and so you can't you can't just search the available solution space forever to find the absolute you know, universal, you know, maximum, you only have so much time to explore. And then you only have so much time to actually take advantage of that knowledge to, uh, it's to basically use it, right? So if you're, you're, I don't know, for an example, let's say you're, you're developing an agent that should be able to find like the, the, you know, a landscape, I don't know, think of it like a hypothetical landscape with, vegetation and trees and minerals or something like that and you're you're creating a robot that should like go out and mine for resources well you don't want it to to explore this hypothetical landscape forever and never actually do any mining or producing so you do have to have that balance between explore and exploit or do it right or do it right now and i think i think as long as an engineer is is aware of what is important and where the values are for any particular project they'll have they'll have a lot more success pitching because i think if you do have a really tight deadline or you do have a project that has really really uh um high cost of failure uh trying to trying to propose something new that is unproven you don't have a history of successful projects with that technology yet whoever's leading that project is going to be much more skittish about 
trying to put whatever new shiny version or whatever into it, right? Because there's too many things that can go wrong. It's either, oh, wow, we weren't familiar with this, so we got to spend too much time looking at the documentation, or you run into some edge case that you didn't really think of, and then you wind up getting in a lot of trouble because now you're stuck, you've already invested, you've switched a lot of things over, and you've hit this wall that you didn't you didn't know about. Whereas if you've done, you know, used a different technology in the past, you know you are much more sure you're not going to run into it. And um, the the example that you give is is like a great is a great way because that's how you build up that experience, right? So any project where you use older proven technology from previous projects, well, there had to be previous projects. There had to have been a first. And so to have like a blue sky a peripheral project that doesn't have a lot riding on it, that's a great time to experiment with something because that experimenting is going to be incredibly valuable for the future. Like it could be that that knowledge and that guidance that can show like, oh no, for this next project, you should do it like this because we did it on this, this side thing and it's very similar to what we want to do now and it worked way better, it was way faster and we did a, we did hit a couple snags, but we now how we know now how to skip those, and we can we can show you. Absolutely. Um, there's there's I've burned plenty of time going down the rabbit hole that I shouldn't have gone down because I convinced you know the higher ups that we really need some virtual scroll thing on this new dashboard we're building that's going to have this feed, and we didn't need that. Um, <laughs> but I you know I spent. I spent a couple of weeks uh, working on something that we didn't need um, and burned a little bit of my credit doing so when I had to kind of admit that we, you know, that the approach I was taking, I, I wasn't, I, I didn't, didn't see an end anywhere soon, a little out of my depth and uh, I'm sorry. And I will get back to the main project and I'm going to, you know, go double time because I need to make up for lost time. And, and, and um, you know, sometimes you do go down those, rabbit holes and um sometimes people trust you a little too much and mm. and you know when that happens it's those are mistakes people try to you know I, I try to do the best i can when i give somebody a little bit of leeway to try something new and it doesn't quite work out and you know it's up to me to make sure that i check in and you know set some kind of standard for that person but um I, i've definitely made those mistakes myself mm-hmm. and it's it's real easy to be seduced by some <laughs> some new thing that's super cool you're super stoked on it you want to show everybody at, at, you know that you work with like how good you are and how mm-hmm. you know it's real easy to kind of be like oh the work we do here is so awful and boring and we're working with this old technology that's like whatever and and um and so here look i i built this crazy new shiny new thing and now everybody loves me and i'm you know and i feel good because i get praise but <laughs> oftentimes you know, not oftentimes, sometimes it doesn't work out and that's okay too. And you just have to be smart when you do find yourself in that position of trying that new thing of stopping yourself at some point, you know, usually you should try and stop yourself before your manager uh, or leader pulls you aside and says, what's going on with this? It's been two weeks. You know, Mm -hmm. you said it was going to be a week and here we are. We give you two weeks. You know, Mm -hmm. you should, you should come up for air first. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's hard to do. Because that involves admitting 
failure. Oh man, I, I really said we needed this thing and it's gonna be done in a week and it's been three weeks and I'm nowhere close to being done and maybe we actually don't need it. Uh, you know, right. Like you don't want to be in that position. Yeah. There's always, there's always this, this you know, that, that risk. Um, and I think, I think it, I think it's, it's, it's very core to a lot of software engineers and, and developers, which is, you you want to learn new things like if you didn't if learning new things and trying new technologies was abhorrent you probably wouldn't get very far because that is such a core requirement of what we do the technology changes so fast there's you know the types of tools that we're working with today are going to are not the tool you know a lot of them are not going to be what we're using in 2 years and so if you're not good at picking up new things uh, and or 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 you dislike it, you're probably not going to be where where you are. And so it's very easy to understand why there is this temptation pretty much all the time to look at what you're you're using, look at the the medium blog posts or what the cool kids are talking about and want to be like, oh, wait, no, that's so that's that's so awesome. It has all of these advantages and oh man, that would be so much easier and I'd be so much more productive and it'd be so much more fun to be working that way. You know, we should be doing that here. We don't want to be left behind. Like, you know, we want, you know, we want to be able to move fast. We want to have the best technology because it's going to make us more productive. Um, and that all can be really seductive. Um, but I think, yeah, you kind of to what you were saying, Spencer, I think, I think there's a little bit of self-awareness that can be really helpful, which is what are the real reasons for wanting to do this? And if if you can have that awareness and you can you can think about what what you really are picturing in the future when that project is successful and and you realize like oh everyone's going to think that I'm so cool and I'm so smart, then recognize that it's an ego-driven decision. And that may not be best for the team, but you know there could be the flip side where where it's not an ego driven decision, and and there is a very specific problem that you're trying to solve, and you and you do recognize that the magnitude of the problem is worth the trade off or the risk of putting a lot of time into it, and and realizing that it, that it may not work once you find the devil in the details. Um, so yeah, there, and I don't know if there's a good there's a good way to, to to have that awareness, except for time. But maybe just think a little bit carefully about the clear advantages of what you want to do. And and actually, for me, when I'm managing a team, there's no bigger red flag than when I ask, okay, well, what's the disadvantage? Or why wouldn't we want to do this? And the engineer doesn't, doesn't want to either... Either says there's nothing, no, no, there's no disadvantages. It's better in every way, or like just doesn't want to talk about it. Like they, they will keep, they'll keep mentioning the. It's almost like they can't hear me when I'm saying, mm-hmm. you know, okay, so like why shouldn't we do this? And then they'll say like, oh well, no, 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 we should, we should do this. It's you know because of these reasons, but that is a huge, huge red flag because that's that's basically just saying that you want to you want to put this big charge on your credit card and you don't, you're not actually looking at the sticker price and you, you just don't, it's just not, not something you're paying attention to. It's like, 
like, oh, yes, no, let's get the pony. It'll be amazing. We'll just ride the pony all the time. Like, they're so cool. I'll bring it to school. All my friends will be like so jealous because I'll have a pony. And then like, you know, I'll, I'll feed it carrots or apples and it'll be like so great. Like, we should totally get a pony. And, you know, you kind of have to act like the parent in that situation and be like, are you really thinking about about this? Like a pony is like a lot of work. That is a really large pet. And taking care of something like that is not a a simple amount of effort, nor is it a short commitment. Like they live a long time. Like, do you know what you're signing up for? And so when I asked that question of like, okay, well, why shouldn't we do this? Or like, what are what are the trade-offs? And the answer is like, nope, pony will be awesome. I I they lose a lot of credibility real quick. The first time uh the first time I introduced React to a workplace, you know, we were kind of using jQuery and plugins, whatever. Um I did I drafted up a Google Doc that said here's why React is better and here's what's not better about it. Here's compared to Ember, Backbone, Angular, you know, these were kind of the in vogue things and and clearly the community was like turning against um backbone angular ember a lot of people were turning towards react but i still very much like showed here's why we should start using this um and before i even did that you know going back to the pony analogy i hung out the stables for a little bit do i like riding ponies <laughs> do i even like ponies maybe i'm a horse guy maybe i'm into dogs you know like there's mm-hmm. there's so many different you know i i I put my own, my own, I took, you know, Wes's, Wes Boss's first React for Beginners course and build a shopping cart for a fish store or something like that, mm-hmm. you know? And, mm-hmm. and I, I p- went through the process of using React myself and having been somebody who'd done a number of years doing web app development with the frameworks that were in vogue, I, at that point, could speak a little more authoritatively about why we should use this thing and here are the kind of things we have to consider um, that I that had I not done that and just went, I want to use React. Let's please use React. I want to use React. Um, then, you know, it, it, it might have still happened. Um, mm-hmm. Probably not. But ultimately, you know, I, I think in addition to not just getting myself into a place where I could do the kind of web development I wanted to do at the time, I also showed... Um, my management team that what I was capable of doing in that a uh, decision like that was, was, um, was something that had consequences potentially and to sit down and talk about why we should or shouldn't do something versus why we shouldn't, shouldn't do use this uh, framework. I think it showed, you know, a level of uh, maturity that mm-hmm. other engineers who'd worked there longer, if not, uh, or worked there same time as me, if not longer, um, they weren't, showing and right. um for whatever reason and you know people at different stages of their life uh or their career you know i very much wanted to have influence um in, in you know selfishly probably so i could just i get to work on this cool tool mm-hmm. and also um i get to you know at one point this company was acquired um by a much larger company and it was this really you know cool thing for everyone to celebrate and I knew that the efforts I'd put into doing that, um, into making the company better or the engineering efforts and the engineering team better and the technology we used better, um, I could take some pride in that. I mean, everybody could. We all sure. put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into that. But I knew that 
I kind of laid out a framework that could scale as we hired more people and tackled more interesting problems that positioned us to, um, you know, get acquired. And, and, uh, and it's all because I really wanted to work with React. And, and that's you know, important. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, you gotta like, don't, don't, yeah. I don't want anyone to think that that's, that's not okay to think or, or that's besides the point or, you know, nothing can, you, you shouldn't be interested in anything that makes your life better or your job more enjoyable. That's, that's, that's not the point because if you, if you ignore that, you're going to wind up being unhappy and then everything else is going to suffer. So and that's, that's a huge part of it. Yeah. I, I've worked on um, projects that I kind of didn't like, you know, I was like, why are we doing this? Why? You know, and, and, Ultimately, I would kind of find a selfish reason for me to embrace what we're doing or the direction the company was going in. And um, knowing that my one opinion, and even though I could have some amount of influence, like I was not going to stop the company or, or the decision we're making or the what, wh- however, I was adaptable to um, what was happening. And I found reasons why uh, I'm not really excited about doing this type of work that I'm doing. But you know what? This is great. I have never had a chance to to work with this framework or this, you know, this this you know this backend language. You know, at the time being a primary front end dev, I've never had a time to work um, very much with this PHP framework. Like, cool. Now I'm going to mm-hmm. dig in and solve this problem because there's a fire. I'm the person who you know I can grab a bucket and throw some water on it. Um, and instead of sitting here, you know, groaning about it, I can learn how what's a better bucket to throw the water in and how to you know. <laughs> Like I can learn things about fires and buckets and water. That's a poor analogy, but you know, it, it, it always, there's always an opportunity in every problem you're faced to kind of embrace it in a way that's going to help you, help you over, help you to acclimate to what the change that's happening. Yeah. Um, now, if you're working at the place and you're not get a chance to do that great, awesome thing, like you say, you're the, you're the engineer who wants to introduce TypeScript and nobody is ready for that there isn't the right project or isn't the right time, there are a million TypeScript projects in your head and side projects that you yourself can apply and start working on um, in your own spare time. And you can learn that. And that way, when that opportunity presents itself, you can then say, hey, guess what? This sounds like a perfect opportunity to use this new thing. And here's all the pros and cons. And here's what it takes. And I know for us to implement these features, it's going to, you know, it's going to speed us up and cut down on bugs. And we're all going to be type nerds and it's going to be the greatest. And it's because, you know, you did what you could to foster your own personal growth while also looking out for those opportunities where you could apply that at the place you're working. Yeah, and I and I do actually want to uh, go back to something that you said a little bit earlier, where you had mentioned that there were people who had been working at the company as long or longer, um, and you know, like seniority. When we talk about you know, I guess the title of the show, junior to senior, senior engineers. That's not that's not necessarily just a time thing. It's not the longer that you are, uh, you're you're a developer. The, the more senior you're going to be that it, the seniority really has to do with the type of wisdom or or i guess approach that you take 
And that's not that's not just a function of time, right? It's like saying like, oh, that person is 70 years old, so they've been driving for, you know, 50 years, so they're a better driver than me. It's like, no, like just because we drive cars all day does not mean that we can just go to a racetrack and be amazing. The the time that you spend doing something is not it's not all equal and it it doesn't all make you make you better. And the uh yeah, I think I think what really makes one of the qualities that really makes a senior engineer is actually being able to model how other engineers are going to to react to something, how they're going to be able to work with a particular technology. And so it's really valuable. Let's say you're proposing React. Um, so y- you should be able to say, okay, if we institute React and things are now all going to be React and people have been using Backbone, which was very jQuery focused and like event driven, where are they going to get tripped up and how do we prevent that? Um, and, and, and not thinking that way and just imagining that your teammates and the other engineers are just going to automatically and magically start using react as well as the, the creators or the teams using it, you know, at Instagram and Facebook that, that built it, they're just going to be able to up and run, be up and running with it and build super complicated ad tech targeting forms like that's very naive but that that wisdom and the ability to think about how other engineers are going to react to something that's not sure being having more time on the job will will certainly improve that but it's not necessary right you you can you can do it with just a little bit of focus and attention and self-awareness right like you want to you want to bring typescript to your team well, all right, try and convert one of your projects to TypeScript, but don't forget all the trouble that that you run into. Don't gloss over it and don't certainly don't delude yourself into like trying to present yourself as a master engineer who didn't run into any problems. And maybe if even if you are that good and you don't run into any gotchas or tricks when converting a code base, maybe just even be aware as like when you almost did or when you did have to spend a little bit more time in the documentation or maybe if you are that diligent just recognize those aha moments where you know the duck becomes a rabbit and don't just forget and don't just assume that that you knew it all along because those are the moments where you're going to be able to model how a team can come together and that's a very important skill for seniority and, and leadership. Absolutely. You are going to be doing a lot of tech support for whatever thing you introduce. Um, and it's going to at times be frustrating when you are like, you just run NPM I and then you run you know this script or whatever uh, for, a, um, for an engineer who's probably, who could be twice as experienced as you in a different, you know, working in a different, uh, you know, tech stack, uh, who just wants to like compile the front end so they can check their back end work, and you're sitting there and you're like, it's just this easy thing, you know, just do this, and the person <laughs> is frustrated, and they, you know, you should be like, you're smart, why can't you just figure it out? Why can't you Google your way out of it? And sometimes, you know, like you have to deal with that. Um, 
you know, some people do Google their way out and they figure it out and they go, cool, now I know this much more about this, this, you know, the tool, the front end or the back end people are using. Um, but other times people are in a hurry and they're like, I just want us, the, the website to compile. I'm getting this script error. Why can't you help me? You know, and so there's a bit of that tech support you have to play. And, you know, I don't say that to like dissuade people from taking, you know, taking a chance and going out on a limb and introduce, you know, new change. It's just, there's a responsibility that comes with it. And uh, even if you're not used to kind of putting yourself in a leadership type position and, and doing something as simple as introducing new tool, new framework, uh, new, new technology to the company, that's what you're doing. You're putting yourself in a bit of a leadership position for that tool or that process that you're introducing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that's where you grow. And at the end of the day, um, Success isn't about not failing, you know, it's about <laughs> how you recover when things fail. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's like, you caused a bug and now everyone's mad at you. People get mad when that bug is caused and people don't, um, the, the, the people who are supposed to solve it don't jump on it as fast as they could, don't do what they can to, you know, nobody cares about the fact there's a bug. I mean, we, do, we don't want bugs, but bugs mm-hmm. happen. And so what's important is, that it's it's you are able to recover quickly from you know that 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 faulty code you committed and got merged two hours ago like it's okay everyone's gonna forget that what they don't forget is a person that habitually is you know painful to work with when these things happen person Mm -hmm. that can't handle the pressure of oh why don't you just figure out how to use this new library we're using for forms gosh why can't you just do that like just go to github the docs are right there why are you asking me i just introduced it you know like Mm -hmm. people have bad attitudes um when the challenges come up when you know someone butts their head against it and doesn't necessarily want to put the time in that you did you know they uh you they go to you as the expert and then you as the expert should help them while also trying to at the same time you know is you want to give the horse a drink while also kind of like, hey, horsey, over there is the water, just so you know next time, you know, or pony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> right. All right, Spencer, this has been great. So where can people find out more about you online? Um, I you can on GitHub, uh, github.com slash Spencer Carnage. Um, I'm on LinkedIn under Spencer Carney. I don't have much of an online presence uh, these days kind of like a, like a Bigfoot. It's kind of like maybe you'll see me <laughs> online creeping in like an old Stack Overflow question. Like there's a Jade question from like 10 years ago. That Very like, blurry. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I also in the JSLA Slack under Spencer Carnage. Awesome. Um, if you want right. to talk to me, you can hit me up on LinkedIn and I'm more than happy to, to chat with anybody about anything. Perfect. All right. I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, Spencer, thanks so much for joining me today. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, David. All right, folks, that's it for today. I'm David Gutman, and I hope you join me again next time for Junior to Senior. And if you've enjoyed the show and you want to get more involved with like-minded devs focused on their career, head on over to community.juniortoseniour.io. Thanks.